Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for coming over to Satiate today, the Boulder Nutrition Podcast. I am Sue Van Rays, your host and founder of Boulder Nutrition here in Boulder, Colorado, where I specialize in women's health, functional nutrition, digestive repair, and food psychology. I also lead women's wellness retreats both locally and internationally. You can find out all about my work at bouldernutrition.com. My intention with Satiate is to provide you with practices, nutritional insights, inspiration, and stories to satiate your body, mind, and soul. I hope you enjoy this episode of Satiate. I'm really excited today to have a special guest on the Boulder Nutrition Podcast, Satiate. And interestingly enough, I've known her for many, many years and we've gone through many different life phases, similar times, and even at one point lived next door to each other. Um, We circled back recently and got in touch and caught up And I really wanted to share her story with you today because there is so much to learn from how to overcome these big obstacles, especially in our health. So I wanna take the time to introduce to you my really old friend and dear friend, Jan Wakefield Darvis, who is a life coach, an author, a motivational speaker, and who helps people manifest the life they truly want. She is also the co-founder of The Coaching Couple, where she uses life coaching skills to help people manifest what they want in their lives. You can find out all about her at thecoachingcouple.us. Thank you so much for being here today, Jan, and welcome to the Satiate Podcast. Thank you, Sue, for having me. It's wonderful to see you again. And I appreciate our reconnection and the time we've spent together the last few weeks. Your yoga classes have been amazing. And I am just happy I can be here to share my story and help others get healthy too. Wonderful. Thank you. So our relationship, our friendship goes back many years when our older sons or my older son and your one son was, they were like toddlers and we lived next door to each other. We actually shared a backyard and we had many deep conversations over play dates and such. And since then there's been so many times we've come back together to reconnect. And this particular time feels really significant because Clearly, there has been some major health obstacles that you've been working with over the past many years. And I'm so happy to hear your story is um, improving and your health is improving and you're feeling better than ever. And I know that you've learned so much about your own body chemistry in the process and what works and what doesn't work, both on the scientific level, but also on a lifestyle level and an internal level. So I would love to hear a little bit about how things started and what happened that kind of initiated this, um, these health issues.
Thank you. Yes, I actually started having migraines about, my very first one was actually when I was pregnant. And uh, that was many years ago, 25 years ago. And I didn't know what it was. It was confusing to me because I went completely blind. And I thought maybe something, I had a brain tumor, I had no idea what it was. So I contacted actually my midwife and I said, I've got this terrible headache and I can't see anything. And she said, it sounds like you have a migraine. And I, of course, had no clue what that was. So she explained it to me. And she gave me a couple of uh, remedies, very simple things to do uh, right in the home. And they worked. Now, of course, if things had, uh, if I gained my vision again, I would certainly have gone to the hospital. But I had a feeling when the migraine came on, I knew it was something different. And a lot of people do not understand that migraine is a neurological condition and it isn't really a headache. So a headache is often associated with illness uh, or malaise in the body, whereas a migraine stems from the neurological system and it has numerous symptoms above and beyond just pain. So for example, symptoms I have with migraines include blindness, as I mentioned, or visual disturbances. I sometimes have aura around my eyes. I sometimes have vertigo, uh, nausea, sensitivity to light, sound, smell, um, and just overall body sensitivity in general. So with one migraine, of course, I had maybe one a month until I until about 10 years ago. And when I was, let's see, about 2011 was uh, when it started, the migraines started coming regularly, meaning every day, and they didn't stop. And so I finally uh, had to find, uh, my primary care physician actually forwarded me to a neurologist. And my neurologist worked with me for two years. My first neurologist, uh, worked, and remember this is 13 doctors later, I have 11 doctors on my team. That one, that neurologist is no longer on my team because she actually fired me. She said, I've done everything I can for you. I'm going to have to send you to the Mayo Clinic Hospital. And that's where I have landed. So in the process, uh, after 2011, my longest continuous migraine lasted more than five months. So I started with one. I woke up with it and had a, a minimum of four hours of migraine pain or symptoms per day for, sh for more than five months. And so the doctors take things very seriously at the Mayo Clinic and they went through as many options as possible. I did all the natural healing, uh, acupuncture, chiropractic, acupressure, um, cupping. <laughs> I tried uh, Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, and um, pretty much anything anyone recommended, I tried. I did energy medicine, shamanism, um, some really bizarre things. And really, when I found um, the Mayo Clinic, I was ready for the allopathic route. I knew that I had exhausted all of the natural options for myself. And they started giving me the, the medication that is prescribed for migraine. And... Those allopathic medicines are very hard on the body. The side effects are terrible. And the long-term side effects still are not known. 
And I decided that it was better for me to live out of pain than in pain. So I have embarked on this journey of, of allopathic medicine for the first time in my life. I didn't take any medicines prior to 2011. Um, so I was on six prescription medications per day, every single day until wow. very, very, very recently. Um, and it was, it was a lot. My poor liver <laughs> was what I kept thinking. My poor liver, uh, you know, processing all these medications, but it was keeping me from having to go to the hospital every month and to urgent care twice a month, uh, to pain management centers several times a month, um, where they would give me injections in my scalp. Um, I also use Botox for migraine. It's actually one of the better remedies for my particular situation. And I have to say, I unabashedly will accept any help <laughs> uh, when it comes to migraines. But I did learn some valuable lessons along the way. One is that when you're in terrible pain or you have terrible neurological systems that prevent you from driving your car and you are trapped at home in a dark room, uh, my favorite place was to be on the closet floor because there are no windows in my closet, so it was pitch black in there. And I would put a face mask on on top of that and wrap a special migraine ice pack around my head. It looked like a crown that wrapped all the way around my head. And that was how I spent many days, many nights, and almost every single weekend for at least eight years of my life. So, yeah. So last, um, let's see, two years ago, almost three years ago, the uh, FDA approved a medication, a monthly medication called Amovig. And it is a CGRP antagonist, which is a fancy way of saying it helps to block the pain receptors so that, um, you know, you don't end up in a pain cycle if you have a migraine. Um, and just to clarify, pain for a migraine, they give you zero to 10. When most people have a headache, a normal headache um, associated with the cold or flu or menstrual cycle, I would put that for me on about a two scale. So whatever pain level you think that is, migraine pain is pretty much to the point where you cannot, like you almost go numb. Your ears hurt, your whole face hurts, your entire head hurts. Uh, and it's different for all migraine, uh, migraineurs as they call people with migraines. Not everyone has the same symptoms or the same pain level, but generally speaking, it's painful enough that you can't walk like having uh, 10 centimeters dilated and you're about to birth a baby. That's about the same feeling. As a matter of fact, I have said to my doctor, I would rather birth babies all day long than have to have a migraine because that's how much, it, how painful it is. And I had a home birth, of course, so I know exactly what it feels like to deliver a baby without painkillers. So after I, I started Amovig almost three years ago, when the FDA approved that medication, I was out of pain often enough that I could try alternatives, which was great. And during that time, my neurologist suggested, and when you go to the Mayo Clinic, they have a checklist of about 150 items on it. And they're so thorough that they go down the checklist of all the medications, all the alternative treatments, and they just check them off one by one. And when you go for your appointments, they'll say, okay, that didn't work. Let's try the next one. And they are 
are insistent and persistent with your condition to where they will continue working with you until they find relief for you. And it's amazing how that happens. So I, she said, why don't you try the ketogenic diet? Of course, I didn't know anything, not a thing about the ketogenic diet. I knew about Adkins and, uh, you know, the, the Hollywood pineapple diet and the, you know, eat cabbage for a month diet. I've tried lots of diets. I know what those are like. So I, I did the research. Of course, Dr. Google was my friend. And I started looking into what the ketogenic diet actually meant. And I thought, huh, I get to eat protein, lots of protein, moderate protein, actually, high fat, which I was a little nervous about, years and years of being in health and wellness, uh, and especially health and wellness in the 90s, where fat was the bad guy. You know, it would kill you if you ate too much, or you would actually just be a fat person, or whatever those judgments were we had in the 90s about fats. Uh, so as I did more research, yeah, I learned that that fats actually are my friend. <laughs> and not only that, but they're the friend of the neurological system. So the ketogenic diet was originally created for children who have seizures. And not just a few seizures, but the children who have like 100 seizures a day. And they were finding that if they put children on the ketogenic diet, what they discovered was that they would, their, their seizures would go down. So they have fewer and fewer, sometimes only a few a day. But the key was that high fat content. So 80% of their calories were coming from fats. Sounds pretty much like they're sitting around eating oil and butter all day long. <laughs> it does. But that's not the case. So tell us more. I want to hear your version for sure. Yeah, that is certainly not the case. Um, although I have to admit, when I first started the keto diet, I ate a lot of butter. As a matter of fact, I'd go to restaurants and I wouldn't know what to eat. So I would, you know, they'd bring the bread and the butter and I would say, could you just bring me a pat of butter? And I would have waiters and waitresses serve me butter because I'd be starving waiting for food, right? And I would say, okay, I'll just eat the butter. And it actually turned out to be a really great solution. And sure enough, every single morning, um, I do uh, intermittent fasting with my keto diet. And I'll explain that a little bit more as well. But every morning I do have one to two teaspoons of butter uh, to break my fast in, from the night. So it is one of my favorite ingredients to eat. And I have to say that I buy very high quality butter. I recommend Kerrygold butter. Uh, it comes from grass-fed cows. It's Irish butter. It's very expensive, but I only eat it like that. So for me, the keto diet began with eating tons of protein. And it was really great because I had been a vegetarian for about 16 years before I was pregnant. And when I got pregnant, I was suddenly craving meat all the time. So vegetarianism, thankfully, was out the window by the time I started the keto, uh, my keto lifestyle. <laughs> and um, I was excited to eat bacon and eggs for breakfast. And I was excited to have steak for dinner. And I loved having chicken for lunch. And that worked out really well. So I had to get rid of things like corn and get rid of all breads until I figured out how to bake keto-friendly bread. And I had to eliminate most fruits from my diet. I really thought I would miss fruit. I thought fruit would be the thing. And I can eat fruit in very small quantities, but I actually don't miss it. I've discovered I don't miss it. So a, a day for me on the ketogenic diet 
I wake up in the morning after a full 15 hours of fasting. So I eat my last meal about 5 p.m., uh, 6 p.m. at the latest. And then I do an intermittent fast all the way until the morning. Uh, so at minimum, I'll do 12 hours fast. I aim for 14 to 15 or 16 if I can. Uh, some days, of course, you're just hungrier than others. It really depends on how much activity I have in my day or how much I think. A lot of people don't realize this, but the brain has the highest energy bill in the body. And I do a lot of cerebral stuff. I'm a thinker. I love thinking. And so I burn a lot of calories just in my thought process. Mm. And so I need a lot more calories just for that. So in the morning, I might work out and then I will have my butter and then I move on to breakfast at about 11 o'clock in the morning. I always eat protein first thing in the morning. And now I already told you that 80% of my calories come from fat. So wondering where that is. Well, bacon has a lot of fat and bacon's pretty much one of my favorite foods. I can eat it anytime. And it's easy to come by at any restaurant. You <laughs> can get it anywhere. So it's super convenient. Uh, so bacon, eggs, butter, and the oils I choose to use. I use a lot of oils in my cooking. I use avocado oil. And I also use olive oil, some olive oil. And I use a refined coconut oil that takes all the, I use MCT oil when I am using coconut oil. And I actually have individual servings of MCT oil. I carry them around, they're everywhere. They're in my purse, my backpack, they're in my car. They're in every single room in the house. They're in my nightstand uh, by the bed. And anytime I need calories, I feel myself, my energy waning, I will, I will tip back one of the little individual packets of MCT oil in order to keep that uh, fire burning inside me. So when you're on a keto diet, imagine if you have a campfire. The campfire is, the oils are basically the logs that keep the fire burning hot all the time. So you wanna keep your fire burning, your metabolism fire burning hot. And uh, what I found was in the, in the process of eliminating all the foods from my diet, and I got down to eating just pretty much meats, very high quality meats, high quality fats, and uh, you know a few veggies here and there and a few fruits here and there. I actually discovered that I had multiple, numerous food triggers that triggered migraine and other allergy symptoms. And I had no idea until I started eating keto and I would go on vacation and have those choice days as I called them <laughs> instead of cheat days. So choice <laughs> days where I was like, oh, I'm going to have a taco. And then I realized can't eat corn. It gives me a migraine. <laughs> so I learned all these wonderful things about my, by the relationship between food and my pain level. And with migraine, it's fascinating because you don't, pain is not always the first symptom. As a matter of fact, it's often the last. The first symptom usually for me is some type of neurological disturbance involving my vision. So just like the very first time where I lost all my vision, my vision went black, I'll start losing my vision. So I'll start having a halo, I'll have tunnel vision, uh, everything starts looking blurry. I start slurring my words or I can't remember my words or 
Um, or I have actually said entire sentences out of order and I can't hear it in my head, but other people look at me and say, I'm not exactly sure what that meant, but I have a feeling a migraine's coming on for you. <laughs> so I had lots of really fascinating triggers uh, that, of course, anyone in my family or my friend circle, everyone would have to know. That was always a sign as soon as my words would start falling out of order or entire sentences out of order. Um, and your brain, when it's the neurological system, your brain can't tell the difference. You think you're right on track. Yeah. So I learned along the way, thinking I was developing Alzheimer's, which was not the case, and migraine and Alzheimer's are not even related um, as far as, uh, all, while some of the symptoms are similar, uh, the illnesses are not related in terms of one doesn't lead to the other, which is, is pretty cool. At least for me, allays yeah. my fears. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, three years ago, when I, shortly after I started taking Amovig, and I, had, I was lucky enough to get almost 15 days pain-free per month, which was a miracle for me, I started doing the keto uh, lifestyle. So it was four or five months after I started Amovig, I started doing keto. I started discovering my food triggers and they were plentiful. And I actually, it taught me a great lesson about not needing those foods. Uh, sugar is probably one of the worst for me personally. Uh, and I have come up with amazing substitutes, but the blessing, the biggest blessing ever after doing the ketogenic diet was I was able to wean off my medications. So for example, I had three medications I, I weaned off of. Um, one was an antidepressant. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with migraine, for anyone who has chronic migraines, it's almost a requirement that you're put on an antidepressant because for people with chronic migraine, which means more than 15 pain days per month, there's a 20% suicide rate. It's huge. Nice. So, yeah, it's, it's very sad. So I was on an antidepressant to prevent that, to prevent um, suicidal ideation, which is very common with migraines. I was on an ADHD medication because, of course, when you have a migraine and your neurological system's not working, you're all over the place. And so that helped focus. Um, the Menda, which actually is used for Alzheimer's patients. It helps with cognitive function. And I had four different, um, on top of that, I had four different migraine, daily migraine medications I took. I'm trying to remember the names of them because I took so many. It's hard to remember. But one of them specifically was Topamax. I weaned yeah. off that, which is, uh, it is great because Topamax is, uh, has a lot of very challenging side effects. So I was glad when that was gone. I was on a, um, a blood pressure pill. And being that I've, I'm a lifelong athlete, I had been taking blood pressure medication. So my top number was always under 100 as well. So every time I had my blood pressure taken, they would check it twice just to make sure I was still alive. So I was really grateful to be off the blood pressure medication. It took almost eight months for my blood pressure to regulate back to normal after that, although they say it's out of your system in a few days. My poor heart, after all those years of being on uh, candesartan, 
which was a great medication. It really did help with the, uh, the brain, um, the circulation in my head specifically that would lead to triggering migraine. So I, I weaned off that. So I was very, very lucky to be able to come off those medications. Now, what I've discovered since, and this is directly related to the, related to the keto diet, is that anytime I eat grains, wheat, oats, rye, barley, oatmeal, rice, millet, teff, and probably any other grain you can think of that people usually make bread with. I've been gluten-free for more than 25 years, so that's always been out of my system. But I found that even when I ate the gluten-free grains Mm -hmm. in my choice days, after weaning off all these medications, right, I discovered that the pervasive symptom after eating grains was depression. Wow. That's very interesting. And I did research on that because of, I love Dr. Google. And I did research. I did actually look that up. And there are studies that relate that they, where it correlates. Grains in some people can cause mental illness. So for me, it manifested pretty much overnight that gluten-free muffin I had on one of my choice days, breaking my keto diet for a day. Uh, It took me four or five days to cycle through depression and I felt it immediately. And I thought, wow, there's really something to this. And since then, uh, the reading I've done is that um, they are actually finding that gluten is linked to schizophrenia. So while I was using the gluten-free grains, I thought, oh, I, I imagine that gluten grains, you know, would respond in my body because that seems to be my sensitivity that when I eat grains, that I have some type of psychological response, which happens just like an allergy. So for me, anytime I have tried eating grains, that is 100% the response. So it is considered an allergy. I'm literally just allergic to grains. And that was a really poignant revelation for me, knowing that uh, depression has a really serious hold on members of my family and genetics play a huge role in migraine, also in my family. So when I learned that about depression, I started saying to my, my sister, also on an antidepressant, uh, my mother, not on an antidepressant, but has had experiences with depression along the way in her life. Uh, and my grandmother, who had migraines. Um, and of course, she is, she is passed. She's no longer here, but she also had symptoms of depression. And so I started telling people in my family, hey, try this out. Just see what happens. Just try 30 days on the keto diet and see what you find. And my sister said this exact same thing happened to her. So it wasn't a one-off thing. There's something genetic there. Uh, mm-hmm. She's my biological sister. So it was, she's also on the keto diet as well. And we both uh, have migraines. And we both have found that without grains, we actually don't need to take antidepressants anymore. And I feel very blessed that way because sometimes when you're on an antidepressant, you feel like you're, it's a life sentence. Like you'll never be able to stop taking it. And that's okay. It's really okay. 
because uh, they are super helpful. And to know the difference between being happy and feeling depressed, that's an important thing to know, to have a good baseline. So antidepressants can really help people that way. But what I discovered was the antidepressants also triggered migraine. So while I was taking wow. it, <laughs> I was taking it to prevent suicidal ideation associated with migraine, it was triggering migraine. And that was kind of counterproductive for all those years. Wow. It's so interesting how all of these things um, are just so interconnected. And the web of sorting it out is such a journey that you've been on. And then being able to get to a point where you've been able to weed out those particular things that are making your symptoms worse. It's, um, it's amazing to me that you've been able to really like fine tune and fine tune and fine tune to get to where you are now. So true. It was absolutely a journey. And I had ideas about my sensitivities, even in my early 20s. But I was so I so loved sugar. <laughs> that was really the hardest one for me to let go. Um, coffee, sugar and alcohol were the three things at the very end where I thought, okay, I'm going to hold out until the very end on coffee. So I really love coffee. <laughs> um, and when I finally let go of coffee, alcohol, and sugar in the spirit of staying really strict with keto, uh, and by strict, I mean I'm under 20 grams of carbohydrates per day, which wow. is less than a teaspoon of sugar. So no sugar, nothing fermented, no alcohol, no chocolate. Uh, and my, it totally changed my life. So even though I still have uh, between 7 and 15 migraine days per month, I actually rarely ever have to. I haven't been to urgent care since March. I went once during the pandemic um, with a runaway migraine that couldn't be handled. Um, but other than that, I've been really blessed that in the three years I've been doing, almost three years I've been doing the keto diet, I have decreased my trips to the ER and my trips to uh, urgent care to about 10% of what I was doing before. I have gotten off five medications as a result of it. I have learned tremendous information about my food sensitivities and what I can and can't eat and how foods affect me, how, what my allergy symptoms are, which aren't the same as what you would think, like sneezing, itching eyes, rash, etc. cetera. Um, so I, I really believe that um, if it weren't for the, the really taking the plunge into the keto diet, I may never have discovered why I was having such terrible migraines. So, and the pain level is down significantly as well. So it's not just duration, it's, um, and frequency, how often I have them, how long they last, but it's also pain level. I rarely get over a five or a six out of 10, which is, you know, maybe how your foot feels if you run it over with a car. <laughs> <laughs> That'll paint the picture right there, right? <laughs> yeah. Chronic pain six... is such a journey and so, one of the most challenging aspects of 
our health when we're in chronic pain. It just, it overcomes it. I mean, it overtakes everything. It's hard to do anything functionally when we're in high levels of chronic pain. So I am so glad to hear that your pain level is down and your frequency is down. You're off the medication. You're eating the keto diet. It's working. So much has come out of your sorting out this intricate web of all the different pieces of the puzzle that have really led you to understand what was triggering some of these migraines. I, I can't help but want to bring in the question or the topic of um, Jan's Keto Kitchen because you have been so good at creating food for yourself and then sharing it with your on your Facebook lives, Jan's Keto Kitchen, where you can teach other people how to eat this way without necessarily missing out on something like um, a bagel. I saw you make bagels the other day um, or something um, you know, like that might feel like a treat or a dessert. So tell us about Jan's Keto Kitchen and tell us about like making food that you love. Yes. Well, the whole uh, Keto Kitchen started, Jan's Keto Kitchen started, wow, only this year in January. And um, for people who are in chronic pain, um, and I'm, I'm writing a book, it's called Pain Into Power how you can transmute your pain into your passion. And so um, in, in December, I was in Asia and I, I was starving the entire time. <laughs> so hungry. So much rice. <laughs> so much rice. I totally know that. And oh. no one spoke English and it was just, oh my gosh. And I couldn't find anything to eat. I, I was living on butter. I, and all the MCT, I took a bottle of MCT oil. I was living on MCT oil and butter. And anytime I could find meat, but of course, you know, I, I couldn't communicate anywhere to say, hey, you know, what's, what, I can't eat soy sauce. And just imagine everything they make has some form of soy sauce or soy something. So I ate virtually nothing. I was five days on a cruise and I finally got the chef who was from Ireland <laughs> spoke English yeah uh, to make egg salad and tuna salad for me pretty much every day and that was what I ate for five days on a cruise because the whole everything was just Asian food and I was too afraid to touch any of it so um, while I was there I said gosh you know I really need to to find a way to push out my inspiration to other people to see that if you can change your thought patterns around what's happening in front of you to something you love to do then it could just change your life. So I came back uh, from Asia in early January. I, I came up with Jan's Keto Kitchen, hashtag Jan's Keto Kitchen. I'm on Facebook. And I do my lives on Sundays and occasionally on Tuesdays. And sometimes I do you know, more per week. But the idea was that when I was in a pain cycle, I would go into the kitchen and make something off a recipe and bake. Baking was where I started because I thought I could make meat dishes all day long and, you know, high fat, whatever. I, uh, savory food was super easy, but it was the baking where it really got me. I hadn't had dessert in years. So I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great if I could have a keto cookie? And so I embarked on this journey and I realized that while I was cooking, I felt better inside myself. Like my pain, even if I had pain going, uh, I, would, I would forget about it because I would be so interested in making the latest dessert or the latest, you know, 
loaf of bread. I, even if it turned out terrible, and I will tell you, I throw away a lot of stuff. I have tried recipes where it's like, okay, this isn't even palatable. I don't know what they were thinking, but I actually have gotten better. Like I know what works and what doesn't. So I can read a recipe and say, okay, this is never going to work. And I'm going to just modify it because I know what to do here. And then I just create one of my own. So it started with just me doing it by myself in the kitchen. And my husband was like, oh my gosh, you're spending like $400 a week on, on ingredients for these things. And I was like, yeah, I'll do anything to be out of pain if for five minutes, you know, I will distract myself in any way I can. So then he said, you know, why don't you start doing these live on Facebook? You know, maybe, maybe people would, would, who are doing the keto diet would like to see it too. And so uh, that's where we came up with Jan's Keto Kitchen and that I would be doing keto kitchens every Sunday at 2 p.m., which was a great time for me where I could pad myself on either side if I had a headache. So, um, and the recipes started out fairly easy and then they got more and more complex and I started having more fun and then I had more of a following. <laughs> um, and then I, I've had a couple of my videos go viral, which is great. You know, it's super fun to see where people are, are viewing from. And, you know, when you're over 15,000 views, it's like, wow, that's, that's a, an impact. I mean, there are millions of people in the world. So 15,000 maybe isn't that many and millions of people that's on Facebook, but that's a lot of, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it felt good to me. It felt good to me. I was like, Oh, well, I hope I'm helping people. And so um, I started putting my live videos also on migraine pages so that uh, I would inspire people who have migraines to, see that it's not a life sentence, that you can take your pain and turn it into power. And that if we, the, the mind is a very, very powerful thing. And so Jan's Keto Kitchen was born out of me looking for yet another way to stay out of pain, even if it's only for an hour or half a day, or, you know, as long as I can finish eating those chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream sandwiches that were so amazing. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of your lives, actually, and they've been really inspiring um, just to kind of bring in some of those comfort foods with a ketogenic approach or desserts or various things like that, that you make it look so easy and um, so much fun. And I know from leading retreats where I've had many different participants over the years with many different food requirements and food needs when we have keto eaters on our uh, retreats, we've been really careful to ensure that there's, you know, monk fruit sweeteners and different kinds of nut flours or coconut flours and things like that in our desserts, little treats here and there so that people can um, participate in those treats. And it's interesting because the other participants don't even notice, they can't tell you know, they can't tell the difference between a monk fruit sweetened dessert and something that they're used to at home. So I think it's a really great thing you're doing because I do think people need the tools and they need to understand that it's just the same process as baking a regular chocolate chip cookie, but you're using different ingredients. And that in itself can still be absolutely tasty and, you know, fill the, the craving or the desire to feel like there's some normalcy around your eating. So keep doing those for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then today, well, this, the last two weeks I've been working on football snacks. So because football season's coming back and we didn't get to see the tail end of football season last year. 
um, we were in Asia. So I'm excited. I, I did uh, keto mozzarella sticks this past Sunday. And they were amazing and they were almost zero carb because I actually rolled them in ground up pork rinds, which is not a food I ever thought I would speak out loud that I actually ate. (laughs) But I got them at whole for centuries. So (laughs) I got them at Whole Foods and they were fantastic. I thought, this is really great. I love these. (laughs) Uh, And I just ground them up in my, in my bullet, my magic bullet. And I thought, well, it calls for almond flour, but almonds, you know, can rack up carbs if you eat a whole bunch of these things. And I don't know about you, but when I'm watching football or some kind of sporting event, I'm not thinking about the stuff I'm shoveling into my mouth. And sometimes I go a little overboard on cheese sticks, which I ate like, probably 10 cheese sticks <laughs> on Sunday. And I didn't even get that colossal stomach ache I was expecting. I actually slept like a baby. <laughs> wow. Well, that's a fun theme to keep on the radar for our listeners, for sure. Jan's Keto Kitchen, if you need some good recipes for football season, <laughs> or some yummy desserts, because I've seen they're all, they're all on there once they find you. And some really good keto breads and things like that. Like I saw you make bagels and that was really interesting. So you've definitely found your niche when it comes to comfort food that still manages your headaches and your migraines and your pain. And that's, that's amazing. So impressive. Yeah. And coming up, this is just a little sneak peek, but in October I'll be doing Thanksgiving foods. So I'll have four or five weeks of Thanksgiving recipes. Last year, I made an entirely keto uh, Thanksgiving, including stuffing. Awesome. It was, it was actually really good. Mm, I'll keep my eye out for that. Wow, Jan, you have really been a health and wellness warrior through all of this. And I know it's been debilitating at times, but it's impressive and it is inspiring to hear how when we put all of our intention and all of our attention to sorting things out and to getting the help we need and to trying everything under the sun that, you know, there is the possibility of success and there is the possibility of healing and finding what works. So I really appreciate your, your visiting us today and your sharing your story and all the tools. Is there any other takeaways you have for our listeners today? I'd say for anyone in chronic pain, don't give up hope. There's always hope. And there's always a way. There's always a solution. There is always something that can, that can heal you. And never give up on aiming for the life you want. You can have it. No matter what's going on, there's always a solution to pain. There's always a solution to illness. Wow. Thank you. All right. Well, it's so good to see you. And thank you so much for taking the time today to be here with us on the Satiate podcast. I am so grateful. Sue, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this very special episode of Satiate today. Until next time. I'm sending you my heartfelt support in cultivating all the health and happiness that you so deserve. 
Thank you so much for being part of the Boulder Nutrition community. Take good care.